You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt McGacky, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Sarp Kesky of Bipolar Architecture. There's this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey, 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 and welcome to Fly on the Call, Candid Conversations on Music, Take 6. If you're a subscriber in the United States, you might be wondering why this episode is coming at you on Tuesday afternoon rather than Wednesday morning. Well, that's because this week we're taking a jaunt down under to speak with Brisbane, Australia's Bugs. This fuzzed-out pop-rock band recently released their sophomore LP, Self-Help, which is both catchy and introspective. This conversation hits on vocalist and guitar player Connor Brooker's upbringing, personal philosophies, the band's live show, and much, much more. Bugs quickly became a favorite of mine as soon as I was introduced to them, so hopefully you'll fall in love too. Um, that genre is kind of something that has become like less relevant and almost in some ways like more meaningless recently. Um, so instead of like asking you what type of music Bugs makes, I want to ask you like what you feel like the core ideals are behind your songs. Um, that's a really good way to phrase it, I think. And I totally agree. Um, I'd say the core like principles of our songs are that we like to, we want people to feel like they're having fun when they're listening to a lot of our music. I mean, some of it might not come across that way because obviously we're not just going to write like major chord pop songs for every single song. But at the end of the day, like even songs that have, I guess, like a more like, like sad theme or something that's not quite as like positive in terms of the lyrics is we still want to make it sound like it's resolving and has like an element of like hope, I guess, to it. So I guess that's one thing that comes through with a lot of our music and just big guitars generally with um, like nice saturated distortion, but not, not too much that it's unlistenable for people who aren't into heavy guitar music kind of thing as well, because we still want it to be like, I guess, accessible and relatable to a bit more of a broad, like broad, like type of person than just someone who's like into guitar music. Cause like, mm-hmm. a lot of the kind of principles and things that we touch on with the lyrics are things that generally I think a lot of people struggle with and like, like yeah, need not need help, but could use help dealing with at least in the form of having that relation or like yeah, hearing a song, you know what it's like when you hear a song and you, you just kind of get it. I guess they're things that I'd like to put through with our, our music and we all try really hard with the fun aspect and a lot of energy generally. Like, and again, there's obviously going to be slow songs and stuff, but again, there's like, very considered energy put into each one of our songs, I feel. And that's like, I hope there's a lot of emotion comes through in that regard for, for a genre where a lot of the time, it, I guess it doesn't have like, I don't know, a lot of like guitar music with like three dudes playing it or whatever is like kind of written about like 
like less meaningful stuff a lot of the time if you <laughs> get what I'm saying especially in Australia so I'd like I'd like to open up that like conversation and have people think a bit introspectively a bit more as opposed to like people being more like, like less self-aware I, I think the, the songs are all pretty self-aware and encourage people to think about like their their emotions and their actions yeah I, I think that definitely makes sense especially like you mentioned kind of like the funness of the music instrumentally um so i think that's kind of a good like way to get people into it and then once they start paying more attention to the lyrics kind of starting to process that and kind of seeing the messages behind them and stuff yeah definitely like i guess wrapping it in a more accessible thing for more people i think makes more sense to me because i've always loved pop music growing up and just because I went through massive pop punk phases and like pure punk phases and stuff doesn't mean that like I don't appreciate the the benefits of like what pop music can do in terms of being able to connect with a lot of people and yeah I guess by making music like inherently happy a lot of people hopefully are going to be drawn to it but again that's that's absolutely not the intention it's not to like well I don't know it's, it's not like a specific intention to attract lots of people to your music I don't want to like that's not the reason why I play in a band is to get massive or anything. It's not that it's, but I mean, if you can, I guess like connect with more people, that's never a bad thing. And I, I guess it's not so intentional, but maybe it is. I, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't really thought about it that much until you've asked me. So that's a good question. Um, and I, I know like you've kind of mentioned in interviews in the past um, that you kind of grew up in sort of like an ideal surf town. Um, and that, like, especially like neighborhoods, kind of like a tongue-in-cheek way to discuss how kind of things have changed in your life. Um, could you talk a little bit about just kind of like your childhood and like how you were first got into music and involved with it? Yeah, for sure. It was like really funny. If you look back at me, like how old am I? Twenty, even ten years ago now, which is depressing to say that long. <laughs> but um. Like, I don't know, I was just a totally different person. I grew up in like, yeah, a little tiny surf town where it's like such an ideal lifestyle, like very little challenges. I mean, my family wasn't like very, like we weren't poor at all. Like I still had like a pretty nice house with a big backyard and stuff. I'm really happy and thankful for my upbringing. But like in that area, it's weird. It's like this disparity between even the local community there's like really wealthy families of retirees because it is like a very prestigious area but there's still pockets of like low and mid socio everywhere so yeah it's either like a bunch of rich kids that go to private schools and hang out in the beaches and stuff and go on european holidays on the school holidays or like kids like me who'd just be like going down to the, the local shops every weekend and going to the skate park and trying to find friends to hang out with but even as a kid you don't see like wealth or whatever so like all the kids still mix really well and it's like this bizarre thing where like yeah heaps of rich kids like will mix with like really low socio kids and you've got this weird melting pot so I guess there's some diversity in that regard growing up but apart from that there's very little cultural diversity there's very little like multiculturalism it's just like a very very safe and simple existence of like yeah the beach and like hanging out and very slow paced kind of thing so I guess I grew up there and it was beautiful like I'm not it sounds like I'm complaining in a way but I'm very appreciative <laughs> for getting to grow up inside a like place like that 
but I also think that like can breed like a certain complacency in you as a human being and especially as a creative person like you're not exposing yourself to different things and you're not like you're limiting your ideas to like a pretty small scope from staying in one place and I know I've only moved like really two hours down the road to a city but it's <laughs> Brisbane's much different and it is a pretty cool city it's growing pretty pretty rapidly but I guess then then yeah growing up there with all the surf culture and stuff like there's a lot of music that's one thing I'm really thankful for not a lot of like good music as much as that sounds bad but like <laughs> I don't know not a lot of music that I like like it's all just like ska and like really like I don't know dub and like like yeah reggae and lots of hippie kind of stuff and surfy rock which is fine I guess some people would say we play surfy rock but like that 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 means there's not much of an industry for it there's not many places to play and growing up like there's no venues there's like literally no venues you could play it apart from like just random pubs that would have like a side like floor stage kind of thing so I just got into it from my sister she was like into playing in like kind of like rehearsal bands and stuff like she'd sung and she'd play and then she picked up a guitar and tried to learn that for a few years but didn't really stick at it and then she just kind of I, I was like starting to get obsessed with like pop punk and starting to get my into my emo teen phase and I was like really keen on playing so I guess I just like learned on her guitar instead and she eventually just gave it to me because she never used it and I used to just do like covers of Jack Johnson and like hilarious like big pop bands like like Metro Station and um what's it wow what's that other one Mumford and Sons and I was just like a YouTube cover <laughs> pop boy like I just put put up heaps of covers on youtube and like play little random house shows if i could organize them and started gigging by doing that and then eventually naturally got bored of that and was like oh i want to do as like you progress as a musician you're like i want to play with drums now and i want to have a bassist and then started a band there and did that for a few years kicked around there for four or five years like and it was very very great like we never achieved a a massive amount but for what we did I was really proud and I learned a lot and loved those guys that I did it with so it was never like a regret or anything it was a very good formative experience but yeah just kind of then fumbled through playing with them for a few years I guess by that time it was pretty cool because um like one venue had started called Soul Bar and they're like absolute angels they're like the only people on the coast who have taken a big financial risk to bring music to that community so it's yeah I guess through that that gave us an avenue to play and then we started coming down to Brisbane because we realized that there's a much bigger world than just the Sunshine Coast because we have that very singular view of like oh if we can just break it here we, we'll kill it and we can we can do everything from here we don't need to be a, in a city we can still be successful from a regional area but yeah eventually the bright lights called and as we kept playing there more, I just kept getting more of a thirst for living down here in like a more dense, rich community. Like the Brisbane's incredible. The Fortitude Valley has, I think like 35 to 40, like incredible, unique purpose-built venues within about five minutes walk of each other. Like it's insane (laughs) how lucky we are here. And then, yeah, I guess that eventually, and then the richness of the community here, there's just so many good bands from Brisbane and such a strong, like, feeling of community here. It's not like a, not like a competitive society where people are like, yeah, working against each other. Everyone's kind of like 
knows each other and is working each other up, I guess. So I yeah, moved here and then started Bugs and it was all systems go from there. Hasn't stopped. <laughs> but yeah, that's really cool. Like the way you kind of like charted that progression and um, especially that you found that kind of community. I think that's like something that's so important. Oh, absolutely. You just get so, again, being on the coast, there's not many people that play music. So yeah, you just feel so isolated as a musician. And then in a regional area, again, like doubling down on that, you just like, you don't have much support networks. You don't have any people that, to talk to that kind of get a lot of the problems that you're going through. And and you just don't have the like kind of like, yeah, general community outside of that. Because from so many people playing music, there's a big community of people that care about it here as well. So gigs, are just, they just sell well. And there's a big like support for pe- like live shows here particularly. And people are really proud of bands from here because it has such a strong reputation. Whereas... Yeah, there's no reputation or precedent for anything up on the coast. It's just kind of like do whatever and hopefully you can be successful. And I know I already mentioned um, neighborhoods and I feel like kind of, I feel like you crew on the new album is kind of almost like a sibling to it in some ways, like where they both kind of talk about um, one's relationship to the world around them. Um, Is that something that you like think about a lot? Oh, definitely. I used to struggle with it heaps. (laughs) like doing the whole where do I fit into all of this and all of that self-pitying drawl. But yeah, I I really think, I overthink stuff pretty crazy. Like I, my, all all of my friends that know me relatively well would say that I definitely like mull over stuff and I like will think, think about stuff pretty deeply to a point where it's sometimes not helpful in terms of like, time and making decisions and things like that but yeah I definitely like notice a lot of the things that go around me going around me and I'm very like emotionally emotionally I don't want to say mature but like in touch person I feel things very much and extremely I'm a big empath so I guess with that comes like a lot of you do try to psychoanalyze a lot of things that happen and try to make sense out of a lot of stuff because you know what it's like this world's bloody crazy at the moment like there's nothing nothing's making sense we're living on a planet that's freaking like dying idiots that are running all of the plate like almost every country like there's so much wrong with this world and we're just like yeah I, I can't make sense of any of that let alone like small social dynamics and things that happen to me in my day-to-day life and without like having music to explore as that kind of like yeah reasoning and yeah just exploring ideas and the way that I think I wouldn't be able to make sense of it so that's why a lot of the songs will have that kind of like I guess observational element to them I guess yeah some of them are written observationally or some of them are written more introspectively and some are both I guess (laughs) (laughs) yeah and how do you kind of like balance the kind of like you mentioned like the kind of big ideas of like the world being in kind of crisis in some ways with like the kind of smaller things like individual relationships well probably bad in a way but at the moment i've just like shied away from a lot of the big stuff <laughs> like i don't know we're not, like despite having punk as a title like then a label that's attached to what we do sometimes we're not like i guess a politically active band we're not politically motivated like just because I feel strongly about a lot of these things doesn't mean that I think that you need to kind of put it into your music because I'm not confident in my ability to do that as a writer. Really. Um, the, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I've never seen myself as 
lyrics are hard. Like, <laughs> like figure out what you're trying to say about something small as opposed to like breaking down a world issue. And I don't like, I don't know it all. And I don't, I'm not that self-assured kind of person where I feel like I can just kind of lecture or gospel, tell someone like what they should think or how they should feel. I mean, I know songs are really powerful things and bring about change in that way. And like, yeah, maybe you can, connect with a mass in a way that changes something for the better in the world, like in terms of politics and stuff. But I don't think that you can start to make those changes in, in the world or like making those steps if you're not like self-aware and that breeds some self-confidence that makes you feel like you can make good decisions. So I, I guess I'm trying to encourage the base level step of being self-aware and thinking about like your actions and like how your actions affect the emotions of people around you and just in general things around you. So I guess I'm, I'm trying to tackle the starting point in a way and getting people to be more aware of how themselves affect, they affect the world kind of thing and how the world affects them. So I guess that's what I try and do. And with like, yeah the politics stuff i just kind of leave that to activists like buddy like greta thunberg and stuff like that, yeah, that girl's so so got so much more equipment to be able to deal with this than me which probably sounds <laughs> but like i'm not i don't know i'm not like that strong a person from being like this you i don't know you're naturally very insecure like i'm confident to a degree but like you're putting like yourself up for judgment consistently by being a musician like and again i don't really feel that heavily anymore but like yeah i'm not the person to be like telling people exactly how something is <laughs> because <laughs> i'll have a chorus of people telling me that i'm an idiot for it basically back and i don't know if i'm the right person i'm not that self-assured to be telling them that they're wrong in rebuttal i try to stick away from the stuff that's more controversial i guess <laughs> for sure um and i feel like there's in a lot of the songs there's kind of like a tongue-in-cheek vibe to a lot of the lyrics um is that kind of something that ties in with your self-confidence or lack thereof in some ways yeah definitely like sometimes in a way like i guess i'm not playing i'm not trying to lie about or present a false persona but in a way yeah you're kind of like exaggerating parts of your personality by doing that and I think the kind of like lighthearted like language and stuff is more just to keep it really jovial and fun. Again, it ties in with that idea of trying to make our songs really accessible and fun to a lot of people because yeah, we don't just want to be playing to like a pandering to a very niche market. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm, I don't I don't know. <laughs> Um, there's definitely, like you were kind of mentioning, there's a lot of themes on the album of kind of like self-assessment and introspection. And I think I really like the way that it kind of, in a lot of the songs, like leads to some form, some sort of growth within the song. Um, is that kind of something that you have as like a general like life philosophy or is it more something you were like dealing with personally as the album was being written? Yeah, well, I think it's, it's, ah, oh, it's a very good question. I think it's something that's kind of come about more more over the last process of writing that album. And like, I don't know, as stuff's gradually stepped up with the band in terms of like, like seriousness and potential. And as you start to think about these kinds of things, as opposed to like, because when you start it, you're just going, I want to write a good song. And I wrote this song and it's great. And we're like, you don't think about like what you're trying to achieve as a band 
apart from like writing good music and like what you can do like in terms of that I guess like as a songwriter there's always that intention there when you're growing up that you're going to be able to connect with people and make that like difference but I don't know I think yeah through that process of the last album and like being a bit older now you just kind of think about the weight of things and the words that you say and like just from simple stuff like experiences on tour like meeting people that have like had profound experiences due to our music and had like gotten tattoos of lyrics and stuff like that stuff that's like a pretty big decision I don't know like (laughs) a lot of people like you see those kinds of people making those commitments and like seeing how much your music means to people and it like it's not a pressure but it definitely puts like a weight of like responsibility on your shoulders in terms of feeling like you have to be trying to do something pretty intentional and and positive with that music as opposed to just like this narcissistic self obsessed pursuit to try and write a good song and be famous like mm-hmm. not what you should be in it for so i guess now that i'm older and like see it see it for what it is and am really truly appreciative for what we have and that's like incredible incredible like i don't i hate using the word fans i just say friends because people who like, <laughs> get our music and just kind of like are on board with what we're doing it's been such a slog it's like it's like in australia it's a weird market like here and like a weird community we're very like divided subcult have very divided subcultures and stuff so it's been a hard slog like i guess finding people and like we fought up like upstream against a lot of the kind of industry tide for a little while i mean we've had a lot of help from a lot of people that being said so i'm not like just having a whinge but like I guess it means a lot more when you do find those people that you connect with and like are making a difference with because then like despite or like it's growing naturally because we work harder what we do and we care about what we do and I think that that shows off to people and they get drawn back to that in terms of as starting a community that's something they want to be a part of Mm -hmm. so I feel like that's naturally growing and um yeah like through that through all of that kind of stuff and all of those experiences that's made me more self-aware and more aware of having to have some more intention behind what I'm doing with my writing and the li- especially the lyrics because like yeah I guess lyrics got a bit lost for me for a little while in a way like I used to be purely focused on writing the lyrics as like my primary focus of why the song would be good when I was younger growing up and like in my first bands but then as like I grew up and started getting more interested in like the composition of a song and like different parts and how like we all work together as an actual band, you start to get kind of obsessed with that and production and guitar tones and all this other stuff that's like it's really interesting and it's necessary for you to be interested in, but like at the end of the day, like all those things can be great, but it doesn't matter if you don't have like a a, a meaningful song something that means something to you and something that's actually like it's not good if it doesn't mean something to you so like I guess I just tried to think more about what the songs were trying like what they meant to me because we were rushing the writing process a little bit because we just wanted to get the album done I guess that like made me feel like I was under a bit of pressure with the lyrics but overall like I still think that I, I wrote I was going to say 12, but we actually wrote like 20 songs for the album. (laughs) Like meant a lot to me. So, and because we'd done it, like done it so intensely, I think by the end of it, I was just kind of mad. And I felt like they were, were not doing the songs. Like they were doing it a disservice because they'd been like all so intensely, like 
painstaked over because it was in like an incubator of looking over everything for so long. But now that I've had that breathing space of looking, like not touching it and looking back, now I'm really proud of like what the songs mean and how how much is put into each one individually. So yeah, I think that again comes across to people. That that's the kind of thing that a lot of people connect with. Like it's all well and good if you write like a great song and all the parts and stuff like pop and it's really great to listen to but like it's still got to really mean something and that's what's going to connect with a lot more people than like a guitar hook or like a a, a cool melody like you you're like the meaning of it's always going to connect more with a lot more people i think yeah for sure and i mean I, that kind of connects with um something i think brock said in one of the like making of the album videos that you guys posted on facebook kind of just talking about how the songs were kind of more like considered this time around and you kind of like spent more time on kind of like all the parts of it. Um, could you tell me a little bit more about like the writing process and the preparation for the studio? Yeah, it's, it's, we're very lucky. Um, Brock, that studio that we were doing all the stuff in, um, that's in the values videos, Brock actually manages and lives in. So it's, it's about 15 minutes from the city and we all just can go, we were there, <clears throat> sorry, my voice is a bit husky, we were there practicing till about midnight last night. So I'm <laughs> pretty raspy, um, but it, we're so lucky. We just, he lives and manages in that studio and he works his butt off to be able to do that. Like he, he records a lot of bands and works very hard and long hours. And then basically he's an incredible engineer. So when, well, rather than like, working with someone else and having this huge confusion of like a conversation trying to get to where we want to be in terms of a sound. He like knows what's best for us naturally from us just playing together live for so many years and like working it out naturally and having discussions as a band. Like we all know what we're trying to achieve sonically. So it's kind of perfect just handing the tools to him and then having like pretty honest conversations about how mixes work and how levels work and how tones are going to work. Like we're all pretty, we're all pretty good at it now and diplomatic. Like no one really wants to step on each other's toes and like it just naturally doesn't happen very often when we're recording. Like we all have the same philosophy that like we'll record as much as we can in terms of parts and ideas and stuff. Like I guess the process with the last album was more so we did a lot of pre-productions. So we spent a lot of time making the songs structures as good as they could be like we recorded them all as demos and then painstaked over them and rearranged them and worked out ways that they could be better and then i guess by that time we knew what the songs were meant to sound like in terms of their structure so when we went in and just laid down all the ideas we then just listened back really carefully and stripped back anything that we don't think needs to absolutely be there like something that we'd all really miss if it was gone kind of thing so then yeah. trying to take the songs back to like bare bones, which a lot of like that's not a we're not revolutionary for doing that. That's a very common production like method. But I feel like that's a good way to really kind of not miss anything because we, we want to like make the songs the fullest as possible. And a lot of supporting ideas do have merit, but we're at the same time we're a three piece and we all are pretty clear on wanting to achieve a, an incredible live set that's not ever gonna be too far away from what we sound like on a record. So I guess with that focus, we have to be mindful of not adding too much more sprinkle and production guitars and stuff like that. So we're, we're always really mindful of making it sound as much as it does like our practice, basically, because like nothing irks us more as like kind of, I guess, seasoned musicians now than like when you go see a band and it's like a 
especially a band, when you see a band and it's like a really disappointing, like sonic version of what they'd had recorded, like you're just kind of really let down and that makes you instantly like pr- pretty much write the band off forever. <laughs> and we never want to have that happen at one of our shows, have someone who's actually like musical or musically trained or like experienced and they just come out and see us go, like play something that's like not like close to a recording because it's missing all these guitars and parts that are critical to cooks like we want to be able to do all of the parts that people want to hear live we want mm-hmm. them to be like a fully like immersive experience because like yeah otherwise you're not hitting all of those same like emotional like checkpoints in a way like that you would be when they're listening to a record and then it's going to let someone down so i don't want to i don't want to let anyone down <laughs> for sure i think that's like really like special that you guys kind of pour over it so much and like really think about all that stuff and like so many different pieces of the puzzle and I think that really kind of like comes through in the music and um you've you've mentioned like the live show a couple times um and the importance of it for you guys and definitely from everything that I saw when I was like looking you guys up and stuff um it definitely seems that you're really well received live as well um can you talk a little bit about like the energy at the live shows and maybe like what some of the crowd favorites are? Yeah, it's been amazing. Like the last, um, the last tour that we did particularly was just absolutely incredible. Like had, um, I don't know, just full rooms interstate in every state, like with people just screaming words to almost every one of our songs in a way like that was why it was kind of wild because like it was all the songs that weren't particularly like I mean obviously the singles and stuff stuck out songs like neighborhood people go nuts for and like <laughs> you like the like the classic ones with the most streams on Spotify and stuff or like they're the ones that people want the most but I guess the thing that really impacted me was like the like there wouldn't be much of a noticeable drop off in like volume of people singing in the songs that weren't singles and ones that we hadn't even played in years so like that gave me this really like great like appreciation and confidence that most of those people like in that room have been like genuinely following us for years like or if they haven't they care about us enough to have gone back through our like whole back catalog and learned lyrics to songs from like four years ago so (laughs) that's like was a really kind of profound thing for me on the last tour was like seeing the faces of people how much it meant to them and then seeing them singing songs that like I wouldn't have imagined they'd ever be singing because it's like, I wouldn't imagine anyone ever be singing any of my songs, let alone like, <laughs> oh, like, yeah, like all of them. But yeah, it's, it's a very, I guess, humbling thing. The whole process has been very humbling and the energy inside um, a live room is like, uh, yeah, it's very special. Um, we try, again, we work really hard on on like i guess making our our gigs a really like kind of safe space for everyone we want everyone to feel like kind of included there we play like a pretty boisterous genre at times like um the music that like incites people wanting to like jump around and bounce around and like in australia we do have a bit of a crowd culture problem like we definitely have a bit of a problem with like dudes and bros like all running around in the um in the crowd and bumping into each other and stuff so we try to discourage um masculine jockey broness at our shows but ideally like yeah that doesn't really happen that much anymore because a lot of our songs are about like being emo and sad and stuff 
<laughs> yeah, again, you get like the occasional dude who's just come to here neighborhood and he likes the line where it says hand on his cock kind of thing. And he's like, nice. about him. like they still exist. And I'm not like, I'm not writing that person off. Like I'm not the kind of person who's ever going to like stand there and swear my head off at them and like, you fucking just bumped into someone at my show. Get the fuck out of here. You fucking idiot. Like, I don't think belittling someone for what they are and who they are is ever going to bring about a positive change in them and like embarrassing someone's just like a petty way to try and make them change so like yeah i'll call out shit behavior at our gigs and i'll like i'll tell people to stop when they're being rude but like i'm not going to berate someone and like i guess cancel them from being a part of it i just want them like yeah they're not going to be welcome and that's going to be clear from our show like our crowd that's another thing that i guess is really good like none of that kind of like stuff is acceptable in our crowds because like the majority of our audience is aware of us caring about that kind of thing. So if they see that kind of behavior happening now, it's like instantly stamped out by the people and around it, which is um, one thing I'm incredibly thankful for and proud of like the difference in like the shows over the last year in terms of me being worried about people getting hurt and stuff has been so much better. And mm-hmm. I think it's because we've considerably tried to not encourage that kind of craziness and like, it's a it's a it's a punk rock rock show at the end of the day if people crowd surf that's cool i crowd surf i've crowd surfed heaps like um i'm not writing off like specific behaviors and again like some dudes just want to like bump into each other that's fine you can kind of do it in the back corner ideally so you're not just like hogging up all the good viewing space for people who want to actually watch kind of thing as opposed to smash into each other so Again, I wish that didn't have to happen, but me wishing it, it didn't have to happen isn't going to stop it from happening and it's not going to stop it from existing in society and it's not going to stop them from coming to my shows and anyone's shows. So I've got to learn to try and manage it and try and gently encourage more positive behavior as opposed to like write people off and make them feel shit about themselves. So yeah, I guess crowds have been like, they're generally amazing and that's been a that part of part of that's been watching that shift has been really cool seeing our crowds like look out for each other and just this really big sense of community like i usually like to try and stop in one of the songs and ask people to like find someone near them and give them that they don't know and ask them if they're having a good time and give them a hug if they're comfortable with it and stuff so just little things like that make your like audience feel more connected and i use the word audience but it's not an audience like I've always had the strong like philosophy that I want our shows to be like an interaction and not like a performance. Like I want everyone in that room to feel like they're a part of something as opposed to watching something and mm-hmm. and they're interacting with it as opposed to just viewing it. Like I want them to be feeding off it just as much as I'm feeding off them. And that's like, again, something we try to put through with our energy, I guess. So yeah, it's been really wild. People singing songs people i hate when people just say ourselves to do shoeys but again that's not really that common we have this thing in australia have you heard of a shoey no i haven't well i'm very glad i probably shouldn't tell you to be honest but <laughs> it's like our crowds are like yell shoey at um even especially international touring artists i hate it when that happens and the concept is basically that you take off your shoe you pour your beer or drink of choice into that shoe and then you drink said drink from that shoe in front of everyone uh, on stage. No, that sounds vaguely familiar. <laughs> concept. The, <laughs> the whole like um, culture of like 
this weird like demographic of people who come to gigs who feel really entitled to them having a good time and don't give a shit about anyone else. Like they're the kind of people who, yeah, get in a pack and try and like peer pressure you as the performer, the person who's there putting on the whole night. They're just going to try and bully you into doing something that makes you look dumb. Like that's what they're trying to do at the end of the day. And they can say it's endearing and it's all like fun and games and stuff. But at the end, yeah, at the end of the day, that is, it's 10 dudes yelling at you to do something and you feeling a social contracted pressure to fulfill that, which is drinking a fucking beer out of a shoe. Like, fuck that. <laughs> no way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, overall, like that sounds like such a special kind of like, uh, just like air within the shows and stuff. And, um, I think it kind of just goes back to what we were talking about before, like the idea of creating that community and finding that community. And even like the way you said you deal with like the rougher audience members, that kind of goes back to like the introspection and self-assessment and growth and stuff. So, and, and it must make it really hard to uh, choose a set list considering people sing along to every song. <laughs> yeah, it is. Tricky. We were just, yeah, even last night when we were trying to figure it out for this festival, we're playing down in Wollongong. I was just like, oh no, I don't know what to play at all. And it was, it's, it's a good problem to have now. It's like at the point where we're like, oh, we can play whatever that we want and people are going to like almost all of it, which is, sounds really self-indulgent, but it's really nice as a musician because for so long we felt like a need to pander to like what we were doing with the live stuff in terms of set lists. We're like, oh, we have to play this and have to play this. But now it's like, I guess we've been doing it so long we have so many strong recognizable songs to our fan base that are aware of it all so well that yeah we can just do whatever and people kind of support it but i always want to play the ones as well because it's really fun <laughs> we're heading towards the end of the interview but not before i give this week's creative shout out this week i want to highlight the last scene a documentary which focuses on the late 90s and early 2000s punk and emo scenes as of this recording, the project's Kickstarter is $500 short of their goal, with a week left and some great stretch goals to expand its scope, so please check out the link in our show notes. Two of my personal favorites who will be featured in the documentary are Shane Told of Silverstein and Vinnie Caruana of The Movie Life and I Am The Avalanche. There are also contributions from members of Taking Back Sunday, Anti-Flag, Saves the Day, Thursday, and so many more, so it's definitely not something you're going to want to miss. Pitch in a few bucks if you're able to, and help bring the last scene to life. And I know you kind of got to get going in a few, um, so I just wanted to kind of wrap up by asking for either like a piece of advice or kind of an observation that you've made recently, either about music or like life in general that you would like to share with listeners. Um, that's a good one, nice and profound. Again, um, <clears throat> I'm not big on the whole me tell people what to do and stuff but I guess something that works or not works for me I was something that I would encourage in people is um self-confidence self-confidence is a really really rare and really valuable asset to have as a person because yeah it's something that you can't really teach unfortunately to people I feel like it's something that naturally does happen but um like that being said there's no reason why you if you're not feeling like a self-confident person that you can't grow that within within your personality it's just something that's so valuable in terms of like you've got to believe in yourself it sounds like it's probably going to have a few cliches popped in (laughs) because like if you're not if you don't believe in what you're doing then why should anyone else have a reason to it's really that simple like 
if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, then like there's not much reason or intention behind any of it. So you've got to believe in your decision and that's how you make good decisions is believing in yourself. I mean, sometimes it might lead you into some shitty decisions as well, but like I think <laughs> like being that kind of person and backing yourself and not like being worried about like anxiety and like, again, rich for me to say, because I'm one of the most anxious people I've ever met. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I guess I'm a lot better at dealing with it now, which is really cool. But that's, I guess, one the one thing that's really kind of put me through and helped me grow as a person and feel a lot more settled um, with a lot of the things that I've used to struggle with and uh, progressing myself as a person. Like, just some self-confident. I believe in myself. My Again, I'm really lucky that my parents or my mum particularly has always just like believed in me and like told me to chase my dreams. And again, sometimes to my detriment because I don't see things as like realistically as I should in a way. But bugger that, there's enough people who just look at things safely and look at things as like a very practical and logistical, like secure thing. Like but life isn't that. Life is so so challenging and so like ebbing and flowing that you kind of have to build your own resilience and consistency amongst or like irrespective of all of that kind of changing tide you just and a good way to do that I think is by being a self-confident person because if you know who you are and you you believe in who that person is then like yeah no matter what gets thrown at you in terms of a life challenge or an emotional like turmoil or a change just a general change in your life it doesn't matter because it doesn't have to change your attitude and your perspective and how you look at everything so I think that's one thing that's like super important that a lot of people don't like a lot of people mistake it for vanity or like um self selfishness like and I think that's something that like millennials and people of like our age bracket and in our current society are very aware of like being labeled as like a narcissist and all this kind of stuff because we're all like we've all been told that we're also self-involved and all this stuff but at the end of the day yeah you have to care about yourself and you have to like to do that yeah to be able to believe in yourself and stuff you have to care about yourself and looking out for yourself and being confident and believing in what you're doing isn't a bad thing i mean maybe if you're being evil and doing that that's bad but <laughs> you achieve positive stuff and you're generally a good person i think that like yeah believing in what you're doing is really important because again there's so much so much stuff that can drag you down in the modern world like looking at your place in it and how you fit like in the whole grand scheme of things like the universe and all that crazy cosmic astrology and all that kind of stuff and even just down to like how someone treats you on a day-to-day -day basis if someone ignores you like if one of your friends is mean to you like if a girl you like doesn't like you back all these tiny little things like they're all stuff that doesn't really like they don't really matter if you're a person who kind of believes in the direction that you're going because all of that smaller stuff and the bigger stuff it's irrespective of the kind of journey that you're on and that's like that's another thing that I try and emphasize as well is like believing in what you're doing, but also, yeah, like just fucking like taking appreciation and like having respect for where you are, like looking around, taking stock of what you've got and being, and that's, that's yeah. One thing to make you really appreciative is just looking around and being like, I'm healthy. I'm happy. I'm lucky. And like, yeah, when you're self-confident you can be the person to drag yourself out of those kinds of ruts and holes you're you can be your own like save 
coherent mechanism for these kinds of things. Sounds like I'm trying to do like really long-winded, like, and then we're back to self-help, and that's the title <laughs> of the album. <laughs> you could be your personal I savior. Kind of why, yeah, that's why we named the album. So. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but bingo. That's like I just literally realized I said so that kind of why I was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm really making like a lot of brand consistency here. But yeah, <laughs> like that's I guess like, yeah, that's why we named the album self-help. That's why the songs have those themes. Is that whole spiel I just went on is like you're not gonna be able to make a positive change in the world if you can't make the positive change in yourself first. And the way you can do that is by being believing in yourself and making good decisions. And those two things go hand in hand. I don't think you can have one without the other. It is a symbiotic relationship. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, it sounded kind of brandy, you bringing up kind of that stuff, but I think it just goes to show how organic and real your music is rather than the other way around. <laughs> like, oh, I hope this is coming off as natural and not like cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely like, is. <laughs> circle on that. that <laughs> was like, oh, wow. I, I was like, Caitlin out here, like, girl would be so proud of me right now. <laughs> because <laughs> i've always struggled with this stuff that's the funny thing as well like i'm always like in the past when we first started working with caitlin particularly and she'd like be like oh can you send me a like a blurb of what this song means i'd be like oh, i don't know how to write it into like a like an english paragraph like lyrics are just, <laughs> they're all rhymes and stuff like i don't know how to do this but i guess it's a lot easier when you're talking about it like because like, yeah i don't write well i just talk a lot Woohoo! Six episodes down and no signs of stopping. Thank you so much to Connor from Bugs for the wonderful chat and to you for listening. Check out Self Help as soon as you can because there's a whole lot to love about it and a lot to dive into. Also, if you're in a band who would like to be featured on the podcast or a fan of a band who you think would make a great guest, head over to the podcast's Twitter profile at FlyOnTheCallPod and check out the pinned tweet for how to submit. I'm booked until the end of the year, but already getting the list of 2020 guests together. A basic Google form guarantees I'll listen to the music, and a personal email sent to flyonthecallpod at gmail.com guarantees a response, though I can't promise when it will come because sometimes life and emails get overwhelming. I'd love to hear from you in any shape or form, so please follow the podcast at flyonthecallpod on Twitter and Instagram, or shoot me an email at any time. Let's be friends! A special thank you as always to The Alternative for helping to promote the show, Kaylin West of Tiny Stills for the theme song, and Michaela Jane Palermo for the artwork. Check back in on Monday for a hint at next week's guest, which brings the opportunity to hear the episode early. And have a great rest of your day. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast.